Welcome to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got a guest I've known for many years. He is one of the best experts that I know when it comes to gasoline, when it comes to petroleum products and how they're working in our country and in our economy. Patrick DeHaan is with GasBuddy.com and he joins us. Patrick, how are you, my friend? Good, Tony. It's good to be with you. And I was thinking there, boy, I think we've been speaking for what? It has to be like a decade. Pretty close to that. I know you're still based out of Chicago. For folks who really haven't heard our conversations, tell us a little bit about GasBuddy.com and what you do for them. Well, Tony, Gas Buddy is a gas price tracker. We track gas prices in all of the nation's 50 states and into Canada as well through our smartphone app. I am the head of petroleum analysis at Gas Buddy. I get to watch market movements all day and write pieces on keeping our members up to speed with what's coming down the pipeline, so to speak. All right, let's talk about the market, if you will. Let's talk about gas prices. What's the national average and what are you seeing on both coasts and the Midwest as far as pricing? Well, you know, we're in a kind of a gentle decline over the last couple of weeks. In fact, Michigan kind of bucking the trend that we saw in a couple of Midwestern states. Average prices in Michigan, Tony, have not gone up since, well, almost a full month now. Gas prices in Michigan started declining on March 9th, and they've gone down every day since then. The average back on March 9th was about 426. We've declined to 401 here today. So almost a 26 cent a gallon decline over the last month. The national average is up about 16 cents a gallon from a month ago, but in the last couple of weeks, even the national average has drifted lower. So why the difference between the national average and what we're seeing here in Michigan? Well, Michigan uh, peaked a little bit under the national average, and that's because our transition from winter to summer gasoline was a little bit later. And you know what? Having watched the numbers, I think we got a kind of a lucky break in Michigan that prices didn't go as high as I expected them. I think when prices in Michigan went up to about 429, stations could have gone up to 449. And instead, they held basically you know, at a point where they weren't making any money. And that's why it's taken so long for prices to drift lower. But, you know, it's been a very volatile month. Oil prices have been all over the map. They were as high as $135 a barrel. Last week, they were as high as 115 as low as 99 Today, they were at $106 uh, a barrel at one point, and now we're down to $100. So oil has just been all over the map. And thankfully, we've kind of drawn a lucky deck here with gas prices that haven't gone up in a while. Patrick, I know on the West Coast, the prices there are a bit more. And what I've learned from you is the taxes out West are a lot greater than what we see here in the Midwest. Yeah, without a doubt. Taxes are just one part of the mix there. And I think, you know, in the history we've spoken, spring is the time when we generally see refinery issues because refineries are getting ready for the summer driving season. They do maintenance. It's kind of like taking your car in for work and you get a call you know, and they're like, oh, hey, we found some extra stuff. Well, that can happen at refineries too. And when they start it back up, it's not always smooth sailing. And the West Coast has seen a couple of refinery issues. And that's why California has gone up so high. But even in California now, even in areas like Los Angeles, where the average price was over $6 a gallon, LA is back under that $6 mark. Not like they've seen a lot of relief, but $5.95. So relief basically coast to coast right now. Patrick, let's talk about the changeover in gasoline types for the summer. Tell us a little bit about that. How does that work? How long does it take? And what kind of price differences do we see? 
Well, um, how does it work? Well, ever since the Clean Air Act amendments back in the 90s, the EPA has been measuring ozone and emissions in areas and where those emissions are too high, where the ozone is too high. EPA has specific requirements for summer gasoline. I remember briefly, I want to say it's about 20 years ago that the EPA in Michigan we were going to have testing stations for emissions, but that's basically it. Emissions and warmer temperatures don't go well together. And so we simply switch gasolines in the warmer months. And for Michigan, that rollout is a transition. It's kind of like your fertilizer. You know, it's a four-step program in the spring to switch from winter to summer. And we're basically on about the third step. And so the transition's basically done it's adding a little bit. It usually costs anywhere from 10 to 20 cents a gallon more, but mostly in the big cities like Chicago. Chicago and most of Michigan, and by the way, Metro Detroit, between these three areas, Detroit, Michigan, and Chicago, there's three different types of summer gasoline. So it kind of adds to a logistical nightmare every summer. We're talking to Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com. When we come back, we're going to talk to Patrick a little bit about the price of gasoline worldwide and how the United States plans on trying to create more gasoline since we're making efforts to buy less from Russia. We'll do that next here on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. offers a home equity line of credit because frequent watering of your houseplants may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're talking to one of the experts when it comes to uh, gasoline and fuel and, and pricing, and that is Patrick DeHaan with GasBuddy.com. Patrick, let's talk a little bit about the war, and it seems to be somewhat of a political war, if you will, in regards to gasoline manufacturing and production here in the United States. As we're recording this interview, there will be two congressional hearings with the leaders of the largest gas companies, and the debate will be on why gas prices are so high. So I guess the first question I want to ask you was, the price of gas when Donald Trump was so much cheaper than it was from the first day when Joe Biden took office. Let's talk about the political ramifications. And we don't want to take a side one way or another, but I want to know why is gas so much more now than it was then? Well, it all has to do with basically the same thing that happened between President Bush and Obama, right? Was that in late 2008, we had the economic collapse and gas prices that year went from $4 all the way down to like $1.65 a gallon. And it was because of the Great Recession back in 2008 that Americans really slowed down driving. And so demand plummeted and prices plummeted. And it happened late in Bush's tenure. And then Obama came into office in 2009. Prices were really cheap. Now, kind of the opposite. Well, 
we'll say a little bit of the same, but prices were cheap when Obama came into office and they went up basically for his whole tenure, 2011 through 2014. Now, President Trump uh, left office his last year, of course, was when the pandemic hit and prices plummeted under Trump. And it was because Americans started staying far closer to home. Demand for gasoline plummeted. You remember the day that prices went negative. Almost every American was alive for that and can recite it. And then towards the end of President Trump's tenure, we had vaccines released that basically started the reopening of the American economy. And that's what happened. The timing under uh, President Biden, you know, broad swaths of the economy reopened. Americans were itching to get outside. So demand for gasoline skyrocketed. But at the same time, oil companies had just let go thousands of workers, you know, back in April and May of 2020. So it was about a seven month turnaround. Demand for gasoline soared, but there wasn't enough oil to meet demand. Of course, the situation's just completely spiraled since then. The global economy has recovered. Global consumption has gone up. But OPEC, as well as U.S. oil production, basically any oil producer, had to drastically cut oil production back in 2020. And OPEC only started raising production again, not even 12 months ago, in July of 2021. And we've been behind on oil production ever since. And that's facilitated a massive spike in price because demand has recovered far faster than supply. And the timing, it's coincidental. If President Trump had been in the White House he would have had to deal with the same exact issues that President Biden's dealing with. Fact or fiction, when President Trump was president, the United States was not only producing enough oil for its own consumption, but actually was selling oil to other countries. And how does that compare to what we're experiencing now? Well, the U.S. was selling oil to other countries under Trump. That's true. They were selling oil to other countries under Obama. And oil companies are still selling oil to other countries under Biden. So none of that has changed. What has changed is U.S. oil production. Under President Trump and before President Trump, even under President Obama, it was going up. It continued to go up under President Trump. And it hit 13 million barrels a day. And then it stopped back in April of 2020. That was the onset of the pandemic. And so since April of 2020, and President Trump basically, for those keeping score at home, President Trump had asked OPEC to cut oil production, and they did back in 2020. The U.S. oil producers cut production back in 2020 as well. It bottomed out while President Trump was in the Oval Office. Uh, U.S. oil production fell from 13 million barrels to 10 million barrels. Since about November of 2020, it started to go back up again, and it's gone from 10 million barrels, and we're currently at about 117 But a lot of the headwinds, a lot of the supply chain issues that you've heard about in other areas of the economy are also affecting oil companies' ability to increase production. And that's why we haven't made a full recovery with U.S. oil production, but we're on the road to that. And I would expect a continued recovery. So just trying to understand from a layman's term, because there has been reporting that the Biden administration since day one has tried to limit the production of petroleum products here in the United States to help us transition at a faster pace to non-petroleum means of energy. What's your take on that? Well, I think there's a lot of people that have basically accepted political talking points. They've accepted politicians as being somehow experts in petroleum. There's no denying that President Biden coming in and changing the game is going to eventually in the years ahead lead us down a different path. But for now, you know, we've barely started down that 
We're still dealing with the fallout from COVID and now from the war between Russia and Ukraine. So none of that is currently a factor driving prices. But like I said, in the future, it'll drive us down another road. And we can't really, until we get down that road, accurately say that President Biden is impacting prices in a significant way. It may be an insignificant impact so far, but that will change over time. It's just so interesting, Patrick. One of the things we try to do with my show is to weed ourselves through the media and reporting. And the more and more I listen to you and other petroleum experts, the more the market dictates what happens when it comes to oil production, oil consumption, as opposed to political rhetoric and policy. You know, and there's so much noise out there, Tony, on both sides of the aisle. Politicians trying to point the finger, politicians trying to take credit for things. There's a world outside of politics. And we have to remember that the free market works. And that's what's dictating price. It's not politicians. It's not policy. It's people. People are dictating price by going out and driving more, Tony, by filling up. I'm one of those. Things are great. The economy's reopening. You know, mask mandates are going away. And it feels like we're getting back to normal. And what's normal? Americans love to drive. And unfortunately, the lag was caused by the pandemic is not caught up yet. I think we'll continue to catch up this year, Tony, but there's going to be an imbalance between supply and demand. And that's going to keep prices high for another year or two until U.S. oil companies can get caught up and cut through some of the headwinds, some of the supply chain challenges that are holding them back right now. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com. When we come back in our final segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about the production of petroleum products here in the United States. You're listening to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Perfectly managed meetings, carefully planned conferences, and beautiful beginnings. That's what you'll find at Treetops Resort. We have an ideal location just minutes from I-75 and over 25,000 square feet of meeting and convention space. No matter what you're planning, let our spectacular views, spacious lodging, and outstanding customer service show you why Treetops is Michigan's most spectacular resort. Get a no-hassle quote for your next meeting at treetops.com or call at 888-TREETOPS. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're talking to gas expert Patrick DeHaan from GasBuddy.com. I want to talk to you, Patrick. We want to learn a little bit more about oil leases and oil leases on federal land and how that works. There's been a lot of conversations that petroleum producers here in the United States have the leases that they need to produce what we need to perhaps lower petroleum products here in the United States. Uh, What we hear from those uh, leaders of those companies is it goes way beyond the leases. There's a lot of other things politically holding them back from producing. So tell us what you know, Patrick, about oil leases on federal land, how that works, and really what the process is and how long does it really take to get gas out of the ground and into our gas tanks? Boy, Tony, it's a really long, convoluted process that can take years. And by the way, that's also why 
the impact from President Biden is not going to be felt for years because these wheels move so slowly from getting a permit to drilling for oil to see if there's oil available on a site, then to getting a lease if there is oil on that site, uh, then to getting the oil to the market, then getting it to a refinery. I mean, we're talking, Tony, this process could take a year or two. And that's why even though oil prices are high right now, you know, normally it's going to take a lot longer for this oil production, for these drilling operations to start leading to something concrete, because it takes a lot of time and a lot of exploration for oil companies to find significant sources of oil that are worth the effort to extract. And, you know, you don't just drill in an oil well and, you know, not all of them deliver results. And that's the problem is that you may have to explore, you may have to drill 20 wells before you can find something that yields enough benefit. And it's kind of trial and error with technology. And so, you know, from finding and then, you know, leasing it, there's a lot of back and forth, especially if it's the government getting a permit or if it's a private uh, landowner. Sometimes these can end up in court battles in terms of royalties that has to be determined as well. So there's a lot that goes into it and it takes a lot more time than I think most Americans probably believe. Patrick, from what you think, what policies could be changed uh, to quicken uh, the pace and to make it perhaps uh, worthwhile and somewhat profitable for companies to do this? Well, it's very profitable right now, but the problem is they can't really take advantage to raise production because of some of these headwinds from labor challenges, Tony. I mean, the oil sector laid off tens of thousands of workers back in 2020, workers that had to provide a roof for their family. So a lot of these folks have gone on to do other things, right? They're gone. You can't just call them back. They've found uh, new beginnings. So the problem is getting people back out to the oil wells, whether that be West Texas or other areas, and then having the supplies they need from wellheads to engines to equipment to steel. I mean, there's been a supply chain shortage of steel to even drill wells. So There's just a lot of persistent headwinds that have been brought on by COVID that make it very difficult. And oil companies are absolutely incentivized right now to drill. The problem is that they're running into all these headwinds that are preventing them from being able to respond in a timely fashion. And I think really the only good to come from high prices is that the only cure for high prices is high prices because high prices will incentivize a lot of oil companies to drill, which will then eventually in the years ahead, bring more oil production online. There's not really a whole lot you can do to quicken the pace, given these unique headwinds that exist right now. As I mentioned, there are going to be a couple of congressional hearings on the price of gas. There has been the political rhetoric that there's gouging going on. I know that the FTC has multiple hearings and made multiple reports and have not found any evidence of price gouging over the last decade or so. What do you think? What do you know about this, Patrick? Well, Tony, I think a lot of people get frustrated with high prices, you know, prices over $4 or prices that jump up and Americans immediately say, hey, this isn't fair. This is price gouging. But what most Americans don't see and don't maybe understand is, you know, I get to watch the numbers so I can understand if there's anything nefarious going on. And, you know, after watching the markets for over, well, the better part of two decades, the shoe fits right now. It's unfortunate. And as a consumer, I hate watching prices go up. But given all the circumstances, this is something that you could expect from a situation of this magnitude. I mean, you have one of the world's largest oil producers, and suddenly everyone is cutting them off. But because they're such a big oil producer, and because we consume so much oil globally, 
there's not a great answer to how do you offset a major country like Russia from oil production. The situation would be the same if this was the US or if it was Saudi Arabia. We're talking about 10% of global supply coming from Russia, and that's a big amount. Is it gouging? No, this is the free market. Look at the average value of your home. It's up 20% from a year ago. And it's not because you're necessarily greedy and trying to sell your house for a ridiculous amount. It's because your house is worth that much. And it's dictated by a market, the same market that drives oil prices. You know, there's a lot of similarities right now in the housing market. There's too many buyers and there's not enough sellers, Tony. And that's what is pushing oil up is simply so many Americans wanting to fill their tank and not enough oil for oil companies to sell. Okay, final question for you, Patrick. There's been discussion about buying less and less uh, oil from Russia, buying it from other oil producers, including OPEC, as well as Venezuela. I wanted your expertise on, there's been discussion that the oil production in Venezuela is not nearly what we do here in regards to quality, to whether it's clean or not, to how it's produced. Compare those Venezuela with what we produce here with OPEC, from what you know. Well, Tony, you mentioned this uh, quality. Quality matters, the quality of crude oil. And right now, Venezuela's been in shambles for the last few years. They have a lot of what are called upgrades that will improve the quality of oil that are offline because of the tremendous corruption and the tremendous lack of investment. Uh, You'll remember, it must have been one or two decades ago that we had a lot of oil companies, a lot of US oil companies, ExxonMobil, Chevron, Total, BP were active in Venezuela. And then it was under Chavez, I believe. Chavez basically just seized all the oil company assets down there and took them. And ever since then, the socialist government of Venezuela has just let disinvestment start to ruin Uh, the country's oil output. And as a result, the quality of oil, uh, they can't do much about right now because of all these upgraders that are decrepit and offline. So right now, Venezuelan oil is of extremely low quality. It's to the point where refineries can't even use it. And Patrick, if folks want to learn more about uh, daily gas prices and other uh, information in regards to petroleum production here, where can they go? Tony, they can go to gasbuddy.com. They can read our blog or download the free GasBuddy app. And if people really want to get into the weeds, I definitely spout way too much of this information on Twitter at GasBuddyGuy. GasBuddy.com is the place to go. Patrick DeHaan is our expert. Patrick, as always, sir, thanks so much. Appreciate you greatly. Thanks so much for having me, Tony. You're listening to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. 